0: dive into one of the biggest tech fears of 2023. And let's course correct that fear. One, your job is not going to be replaced by AI, but you could be replaced by somebody who knows how to use AI. That's a paraphrase that Rex Lawrence told us on the latest episode of Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Hi, I'm Amy Souter, your host of the podcast, and also the Packers editor of Retail Education and PMG, which stands for Produce Market Guide. In this Zag Technical Services partnered episode, we hear from Rex of Joe Produce, which is a produce industry and ag tech industry and ag industry recruitment firm and it's an online job center and also an executive recruiter and resume uh helper and we're gonna hear all about how Rex has navigated the produce industry and how he came to doing this type of work and how tech influences his company and how it influences job candidates and seekers and hiring managers and uh, including chat GBT and all the things that we're thinking about these days. So let's hear all about it.
1: Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg podcast with the packer and talking all things ag tech i'm your host rob Collins, director of marketing at zag technical services and i'm joined by my co-host melinda goodman at full tilt marketing hey melinda what is new this week
2: Well, you know, I'm always up to something. Uh, This week, it was a photo shoot for local Angus beef. So we got to teach the new girl how to stage photography. And not going to lie, we came out with a little bit of beef for the grill. So last night was, uh, you know, some juicy local hamburger.
1: Hey, Melinda. So look, every time we chat, we bring on super interesting people doing even more interesting things to advance fresh produce. And today is no different. And you know what? We often talk about egg and egg tech from a technology point of view, but not from the point of view of the people and the changes that technology is bringing and how important people still are in that. So today we have with us Rex Lawrence of Joe Produce. Rex has built his career in the fresh produce industry from the early days in value added leafy greens to helping build Pong wonderful sales and ultimately ending up as an entrepreneur who has launched multiple recruitment brands and services, including the very, very very popular joe produce where they help connect fresh produce professionals with leading produce companies or simply put they help great people find great jobs which sounds pretty great to me melinda so i'm on board with this because i've come to realize that what a great industry fresh produce is to work in so welcome rex thank you it's good it's great to
3: be here appreciate that thanks for the warm welcome too
2: so, Rex, I've known you many years now, and I know we're here to talk ag tech, but as a marketer at heart, I always love a story first, and I'm always surprised by the things I learned about people that I didn't previously know about them. Shout out, there's weird things about me that nobody knows. I, by, by the way, worked as an environmentalist in a coal mine for two summers.
1: Oh, even I been like on things.
2: See? Exactly. So, what I don't know about you, Rex, is why Lion in your LinkedIn profile?
3: Well, do you know what that stands for?
2: I don't, but apparently this is like finding some kind of weird like text message thing that I don't know what stands for. I'm (laughs) clearly too old at this point.
3: I could tell you, this is the truth. I could tell you that lions are my favorite animals. And that I am a Leo and Rex does mean king. So it all kind of fits together, but which those are all true, by the way. But Lion stands for LinkedIn Open Network. So it's an acronym. And I have somewhere in the neighborhood of 12,000 people now on LinkedIn and continue to grow that audience. I guess I could ramble on here, but that's really what it stands for. And it's been fun connecting with people. And that's my favorite part of my job is actually just connecting with people and making new friends.
2: I learn something new every day.
3: Me
1: too. And Rex is six times better than me on LinkedIn. So I have some worse to do. <laughs> so that's yeah, a great story. So like Melinda, I too want to know a bit more. So most importantly, your path to entrepreneurship and how Joe Produce came to be, what need or demand did you see that made you recognize this was a real gap and an opportunity?
3: Uh, thanks for asking. I'll, I'll try to make this as short as possible. You guys will figure out brevity is not necessarily my strength. So this is my 37th year in the produce business. Uh, Joe Produce, we founded Joe Produce about 12 years ago. I had, Belinda denoted here, I'd been in the produce business for quite a while, you know, 25 years. I was the first, my claim to fame, if there is one, is perhaps I was employee number five. I was the first retail salad salesperson in Salinas. So I was employee number five at Fresh Express, the first salad sales guy. And so that really kind of catapulted my career, as you can imagine. But, you know, I'd spent years on the road selling all the retailers and food service companies, everybody, for a long, long time. And I'd kind of reached that point after 25 years of travel and just selling and so forth, where even though I'd worked for a few different companies over those years, it all started to become Groundhog Day. So I really looked at what I liked most about the business and what I enjoyed most about the business, and uh, which quite honestly, as people, my first year of working for a company was always my favorite year. First of all, I loved interviewing. I loved going out and trying to get a job. And so I don't know if that's something I should admit or not, but I really did. I loved to interview. And I loved interviewing people as well. And so in that, I kind of deduced the fact that meeting new people, learning about businesses and really being able to make a difference in that first year were things that I really loved. And what I knew I didn't want anymore is I really didn't want to be a sales, you know, whether, I don't care what the title was, regional sales manager, VP of sales and all those kind of things, but I really didn't want to sell produce anymore. And I didn't want to live on an airplane. And then I looked around, I guess, more through a kind of a mindset of where the opportunities were. And And quite candidly, I thought there was an opportunity in this side of the business. I'd been on both sides of the desk. I'd been an executive looking for people and I'd been a person looking for a job. And I just sensed that there was a really fantastic opportunity in this in- industry to do things differently and to make a difference. Yeah, it's, it's so far it's worked out pretty well.
2: I love this, and I love how everything in our industry is always full circle in some way, shape, or form. It's always about the people, first and foremost, but it always comes back to sitting down and listening and what can you learn? And it doesn't matter how many of these podcasts we've done now, people who are inventing new tech, People who are promoting entrepreneurs who have new tech, people who are sitting down with producers and asking questions, right? It's listening. Like, how do you listen and connect with somebody and hear what they need? So we are here talking egg tech today. You're an executive recruitment firm. And from day one, you've also been online. Why was, like, you sat right there, like, I saw the need to do something different. So why was an online presence so important to you in the beginning when you started your recruitment firm versus going the traditional path that our industry had previously take okay
3: good question the way I see our business today and the way I saw it before i even started the business i thought there was two opportunities one is is i love to use analogies so i hope you guys don't mind that but i thought there was a way of casting the net differently in a bigger better way and the internet surely and social media and so forth surely provided us that ability to do that and at the same time I guess I don't want to forget the other side of the business because i think it's equally if not even greater importance so we got the fish net the other part of that analogy is is the spear gun and I think going out and connecting with people and really being very specific with your intent and with your connection with people is really important as well. So I kind of want to balance those two off because I think technology has been hugely important to me and my business. It's equally as important to connect with people on a direct basis also.
2: Well, I think what's interesting about that is like, we don't know who we don't know, right? Like our networks are only so big until we start casting a wider net. And we talk at length all the time of how do we recruit new people to our industry? How do we get the best and brightest from everywhere? We have super talented people here in the industry, but we need more of them from everywhere.
1: Absolutely right. Look, you know, speaking of online, you know, we see tech, I guess, infiltrating for want of a better word, so much more of our lives and our work, I mean, it's just everywhere and everything we do now. I'm curious though, you know, how have you seen job requirements or job skills change over time? You've been doing it for 12 years, you're saying? So do you see more requests for tech skills than you did in the beginning? Do you see perhaps assumptions of tech skills that weren't there previously? The easy answer is
3: yes, absolutely. Okay, and I say across the board, I think there's a spectrum in technology and people's skill. I think at the very least, on that spectrum now is a request for comfort in technology, or even a position that doesn't have much tech involved in it, let's say. But companies now more so want people who have a comfort level in technology and an openness to adapt to using technology. I would say that's, in my opinion, that's kind of the starting point of the spectrum today. Even in positions where you say, oh, technology isn't necessarily a normal or regular requisite to that position. Sales, for instance, you know, salesperson, you know, talking to people and so on and so forth. But you know what? They need to be able to deal with EDI now. They need to be able to deal with the ERP. More and more companies are introducing business intelligence, BI, and being able to run reports and engage and work with people who do deal, let's say analysts, for instance, who do deal in technology and reporting and so forth. So it's across the spectrum.
1: Interesting. I know, Melinda, you've got to follow on there, but Rex, you mentioned analysts, you mentioned the ability, almost implicitly, what you're saying is the ability to say, look at data and so forth and then interpret it. Because data is only as good as what gets served up. Someone has to try and make sense of it. for the business context, are you seeing more data analyst roles coming in to ag? Absolutely.
3: In all departments as well. So obviously we're seeing more analysts involved, obviously in places like accounting and finance, but you're seeing them in sales. There's more and more contracts now that are involved in the business. So you're seeing people who are involved in uh, analyzing information, particularly if you think about it, before you commit to a contract, you better have a good data that you're working with in terms of making decisions. Yeah, I would say all corners. And you're also seeing in growing and farming and so forth, where obviously production on the value added side of the business as well where everybody's trying to you know this isn't a high margin industry and so anywhere you can squeak out another point or two or margin you know can be the difference between black and red sometimes
2: Oh my God. You're speaking my language here. You're speaking the things that we talk about every day. I love this thing about the openness to adapt, right? Everything. I just showed somebody how to use Chat GPT this morning and he thought his world had been revolutionized. And he he's a couple years older than me. And he's like, why don't I know about this? What hole have I been living in? Why didn't my niece tell me about this? So I think it's this openness to adapt. And I'm guessing he's accomplished nothing the rest of today except plug things into chat GPT, including planning for a Zyroland vacation. So with this continual evolution of tech, what kind of upskilling opportunities do you think our industry should be looking at or looking toward, maybe even for candidates? Where should we be looking and what skills should candidates be working on if they're going to look for the next job or be the it person that wants to get hired?
3: Well, you know, starting with ChatGPT, I'll tell you what, understanding how to write a prompt is hugely important. And there are now people, if you guys, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, there are people who are AI prompt engineers.
2: Highest paid people right now, like the most in-demand job.
3: Yeah, this is just a person that knows how to talk to AI and how to get the information out of AI. It's amazing. So here's the thing. I will say there's two parts to the answer to that question, Melinda, and that is that I think having an absolute comfort in technology and trying to look ahead is going to be, I think, hugely important for many jobs. We're just starting to search in the desert. It'll start next week where they're looking for an assistant farm manager. It's the number two role in farming for a pretty good size, you know, like 10,000 acre farming operation. The first thing they said to me, other than the fact they want somebody with experience in farming, row crops, is they wanted somebody who had a comfort level in technology and would go out there. Not only comfort in terms of what they're being handed, they wanted somebody to go out there and who has the, I'll say the curiosity and the drive to go out there and utilize technology in their business to make them better and more efficient. The other thing I will say is that this still is kind of to the core of what we were talking about earlier. This still is a people business. So I will say that understanding the industry, understanding the culture of the industry and the people and having the ability to work with them as well as utilizing technology and having that balanced approach, I think is going to continue to be important for a long, long time in our industry.
2: I know it was perfect. And I've just, I'm pondering all of that, how fascinating it is. Even like you said, like the number two requirement for this farm production manager job, I think you wouldn't have to go back very many years. And like, it might've started with agronomy skills and number two might have been Spanish speaker. It's just very, very different. And it's amazing.
1: It is. Yeah, it is. So hey, Rick, you said there's a word in when you just chatting now that is quite important to me as a people manager and someone who hires marketing talent, which is culture. And so often, you know, we will look at skills and the capabilities that a person has. But I think in some ways, more and more candidates also looking at the culture of an organization. So I'm curious, you know, you want people to be a good fit for the job, but how do you help get that match between candidate and the organizational culture and ensure that there's a good fit there? Does that make sense? Yeah,
3: that's the secret sauce that I can't tell you about. Nothing. <laughs> So no, in all seriousness, I do look at our business, what it is that we do as executive recruiters. I think there is an art and there's a science to it. So I think while you can check the boxes, so to speak, when it comes to you know, skills and experience and so forth, that's certainly part of it. And no matter what the role is, I think the other part of it is, I think you used the term a minute ago, Rob, and it's about fit. And sometimes it's not about right or wrong. It's about fit. And we have to, a big part of our job is taking a deep dive into the company first because you know that's going to who's hiring us to fill a position so we take a deep dive into them and we really want to understand them and their culture their leadership style their communication style and this is where we have to be really i like to use the term spidey sense and we have to really be cognizant of who it is we're dealing with and not just listen to what they tell us but try to look behind what they're just saying to us you know the, the sales pitch so to speak and see really understand who they are and what they're about Really under try to understand their DNA, so to speak, on a 360-degree basis. And then conversely, when we're talking with candidates, we do the exact same thing. So once we understand that we're talking to, if somebody's looking for a VP of sales, for instance, you know, or a CEO or whatever the role is, once we understand what it is they're looking for, years of experience and skills and so on and so forth, we go out there and we talk to people and we engage with people who we think are going to fit that criteria. Once we get past really, the, again, the check boxes, then it's about really getting to understand that person, where they're at in their life and what their values are, what's important to them, their priorities, their objectives, their personality. And we have conversations sometimes about this in the office, oftentimes about really trying to understand if Rob is a good fit for Zag. Obviously, you are, you're there. But in all seriousness, that's really where, because it's one thing just to put somebody's tail into a seat. And then kind of go, wring your hands. Okay, we are don't that one. Let's go to the next one. We've been successful. In our opinion, that's not success. A success, the way we define success is real simply two years from now, when we call up an employer and say, Hey, how's it going with Rob? How's he doing? Uh, he's great. We had the first couple of months. We had a few bumps in the road. We had to get to know each other and kind of figure each other out. But it's fantastic. And we had the same call with Rob and say, "Hey, Rob, how's it going over there? How's it going with Zag? You know, how you doing? Oh, Rex, it's great. You know, I love the people. I love what I'm doing. And you know, we don't always get along, but we know how to work through problems. And that's success. And so we always try to keep that in mind. I'm sorry,
1: I probably talk too much on these answers. I don't know, Rex. I'm, I think you you may have bugged my office. That's what I'm a bit concerned about. <laughs>
2: Every company, big and small, relies on technology. From the field, to the warehouse, to administration, uptime stability is critical to your bottom line and to supply chain continuity. Cybersecurity is one of the greatest risks to modern agriculture. Contact Zag Technical Services for your technology risk assessment and let us check your tech. Visit ZagTech.com. I think that's just it. I mean, this is a people business. I don't know if we could ever talk too much, right? Like I was just visiting with someone the other day and we joked, we got off the phone, like, oh, we haven't had that long of a conversation maybe ever in the history of, you know, we've been in the industry together 25, 30 years. And we just hadn't had that level of a personal conversation before. But in the process of doing so, we each learned a couple of things about what the other was doing and how we might help each other. And this is a people business. It is a relationship business. And to do a good job, you have to know each other a little bit. You have to know each other. You have to know each other's business. We sell perishable items where things go wrong. And that requires a level of trust that's different from selling a widget. And being able to work through that is different.
3: It is, despite how much companies sometimes wanna widgetize our produce and the processes and so forth and kind of take the people and the personalities out of it and so forth. I mean, you know, I think a lot of the, I can say this now because I'm not selling these large retailers. I think a lot of the large retailers that I worked with move more and more in that direction in terms of trying to widgetize all of this and so forth and turn it into just a complete program transaction. And the, the fact is, is there's so many links in this supply chain and there's so many great opportunities for things to go wrong in this business. And to your point, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Melinda. Trust is such a, an important element to this business.
2: But no about technology, we need it all. Like you said, to find that one degree of difference in being in the black versus being in the red, but technology is never gonna replace the people.
3: Absolutely, well, I agree. Can I share something with you real quick? Cause that was something I read the other day. I thought it was fantastic. And it, it basically the quote I'll paraphrase here is, is that, your job is not going to be replaced by AI. You will be replaced by somebody who knows how to use AI. And I think you can replace that with any kind of technology. I think the people who refuse to accept technology and utilize it and find balance with it, those are the people who, you know, they're in jeopardy. I think ultimately they're in jeopardy. But I think if you can embrace it and utilize it to the degree you need to or, and or want to,
1: I think you're in a much safer position. I would agree with that. As soon as I saw ChatGPT, I'm like, this is an exciting, interesting thing. And a lot of folks are like, oh, you know, marketing is done, but... Not so sure, but hey, speaking of technology and things, you know, you've, besides what you've been doing today, you've been as you said, around the industry a long, long time and especially since the early days of value add, you've seen a lot of change on shore in the fresh produce industry. So speaking of tech, like what do you think has been the biggest evolutional change in the industry involving technology specifically?
3: Wow. That's a really good question. The easy answer, the, what do they call it, the softball, I guess, so to speak, is obviously value added in terms of what that's brought to the industry and to the consumer and so forth. And I'll tell you what, that utilizes a lot of technology in different ways. Packaging technology, for instance, is a great example. We have controlled, modified atmosphere packaging and so forth. So I think that's been a huge difference to our industry. It's almost such a broad question. It's hard to answer because like, I think every corner of our business is being impacted by the industry or by technology rather, and it's moving really rapidly now, obviously.
2: So maybe on the flip side of that then, where's the next big idea going to come from? Or what do you think the industry is going to go next or what problem will it solve?
3: Well, we were just talking about AI. I know it's the buzzword and so forth, but I really do believe that we're going to see just huge changes in how we get things done in this industry and in all corners of it. You know, I read somewhere where it said, you know, like half the jobs by 2030, we don't even know what they are today. And twenty thirty, I mean, my goodness, that's
1: six and a half years away or whatever. I think we just have to hold on and embrace it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you made a number of really, really good points. And it's always my question was a little bit unfair because technology is everywhere. It's in the field. It's helping farmers and growers and ranches determine where to graze cattle where how much water should be on a particular row or even within a section of that row it's when to harvest this ai starting to come in or at least certainly i think within the next couple of years you don't have to be a genius data analyst you can just ask the ai based upon all this data that we've been collecting for the last 10 or 15 years already anyway what's the optimum window to be planting or harvesting and what happens if I put things one week, what's the outcome of that? So a little bit of an unfair question because it's so ubiquitous now from the field right through to our food service and retail. What do you think, Linda? You must have seen that too.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of with raps. I don't even know if I could put my finger on what I think is the biggest or, or most important technological change, right? Because they have all in some way, shape or form impacted whatever corner of the industry they've meant to touch. They've impacted livestock care, they've impacted labor, they've impacted quality, they've impacted value added, so we can get more back to the farm. Yeah, food safety, when we know more, we do better. And maybe that in and of itself is just the evolution of tech alone is the exciting part of it, of what it has done to evolve the entire agriculture industry and the food supply chain to continue to keep pace with a growing population and a growing global food need. It's amazing. So, Ron, do you know it's coming? i always ask what's your biggest takeaway from today
1: well you know what today i prepared because usually you catch me out on this one because i'm a little bit slow <laughs> but three things that i learned today that i think interestingly given we talk about ag tech and technology a lot have nothing to do with that so the first thing is people matter fundamentally it's all businesses a people business especially when we're talking about executives senior sales leadership marketing leadership it's all about people. The one that was really interesting to me was Rex's comments about having a, a comfort level with tech. Often when I think about what I'd be looking for in a potential hire is that they can check some boxes like Rex was saying, but you know what we learned today was that we don't really have a great view of what the future will look like. And so what we should be hiring for is people who have that comfort level with technology that we know when that next thing is coming, that they're going to be okay. Right. And they're not going to be freaking out and running out of the building. And the third thing related to people and that comfort level is just the importance of culture. And so people matter, a culture matters. We need to pay attention to that as employers. And it's great to know that for folks who maybe didn't grow up with technology everywhere, that's okay, right? As long as they've got a propensity and a willingness to, so just embrace what's coming. So those are my big takeaways. What about you, Melinda? I'm going to throw this one back at you. What was your I, big take? I
2: never have to answer this question. I'm always on the other end. Yeah, actually, the note that I wrote down is comfort with type, openness to adapt. I am Gen X, so although we are the generation not to be named, we are also the one that, at the same time, everybody comes back and says they're the most dangerous generation, right? Because they are the ones that, like, were bookended by all technology, really, from the beginning to some degree. So we've been forced to learn and adapt to technology. Even sometimes, my younger staff isn't always as good with technology as I am, like, because they know what they know today, and we've been forced to adapt to technology from the beginning when it was a blue DOS screen that we had to enter code to basically get our computer to turn on. So I I like this idea of how do we just be open to adapting because we don't know what it's going to be. So I think that's my big takeaway. Just, hey, roll with it, which is fresh produce. I think if you're in fresh produce, every day is a level up. Hey, can you adapt? Because it's not going to be what you planned.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. So, hey, Rex, if people want to connect with you uh, and your team at Joe Produce, how can they find you and how can you help them help both employers and uh, employees in their job search journey? No, hey, thank you so much. I
3: appreciate the opportunity to give a commercial message, I guess, here. So yeah, certainly joeproduce.com is our website address. And uh, no, i just like to point out three things. One is, is we have joeproduce.com where we market jobs uh, for employers. We have Joe Produce Search. We're an executive search firm. We focus on middle management to C-level positions. And then we have Joe Pro Resumes. We have a resume writing service as well. Yeah. So it's actually, as a marketer, you would really find it interesting because resumes are a marketing document. And so uh, as marketers, I should say, excuse me, you guys would find it interesting. Resumes are a a lot of fun.
2: I would say to that point, every young person, call Rex, get help with your resume, because I see a lot of not good resumes. Quite frankly, talented people who I immediately move over to a different pile uh, that aren't getting seen.
3: I challenge you to find a better investment with a higher return so quickly because you can spend, you know, three, four hundred dollars on a great resume and get a job. We see people all the time that are great candidates that, you know, are looking for hundred, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollar year jobs with lousy resumes. So invest on it and it'll give you returns for years to come.
2: Well, this has been super fun. Rex, thank you for joining us today, sharing a little bit about your work, your insights on tech and labor and the future of people. What I know to be true is that regardless of the amount of tech that we put into this industry, or quite frankly, any industry that's out there, we will never lose the human touch and that it will always take great people and great cultures to advance business and really optimize the best
0: tech ideas.
3: I agree. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I really found this interesting because, hey, you know, like many of us, I'm also wondering how AI is gonna affect my job or my career. And I found it really interesting about how you don't have to know everything about technology. I mean, no one can know everything about technology, but it's more about your attitude and willingness when it comes to technology and willing to adapt and change, but also to look forward and continue to, to think about ways to advance. Um, that's what companies are looking for. And, um, uh, I did appreciate also the, the reassurance that it is also about people produce is all about people. And, um, that's, is going to continue to be true. So anyway, um, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and rate us on your preferred podcast platform because it does help. And we have several other podcast episodes, of course, dozens and dozens. Some of the most recent ones are our produce retailer of the year, Joseph Bunting from United Supermarkets, a deep dive on him. And then we have, um... From IFPA, we have Vani Estes, who's all about innovation. We have uh, one from Evan Ellers of sharing, sharing Excess, and all about marrying scarcity and access, uh, taking reducing waste, and providing food to those who need it, um, and so much more. So uh check those out also our free professional development courses on produceedu.com the, each course from merchandising 101 reducing food waste indoor growing what organic labels mean um produce buying tips and all of that for free and it has a quiz at the end each course and you can add it to your continuing education roster and put it on your LinkedIn profile and your resume and use it for advancing your own career. Remember, it's at produceedu.com. And in this episode show notes, find more ways to follow us for produce information, tips, and all the cool stuff to make you better at your job and to love what you do. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.